In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you again for joining us today for another adult meeting uh, on our continuing series on the family. Today we're going to continue um, in another topic on the subject of parenting. So we ask uh, God to please be with us in our midst today as we uh, discuss some very important uh, aspects uh, that he open our minds to understand the words um, that he will teach us and our hearts to accept them and to uh, give us the strength to be great parents. Um, you know, during this time of um, the pandemic, uh, I think that, you know, our life has really been affected in many ways. Um, we, um, you know, we are brought together in different ways. In my family, we've been blessed with three amazing kids. And although this pandemic hasn't really been easy, um, it seems to have brought us closer together. We're living in the same house. And um, we know that during um, you know, those adolescent years, living in the same house can have uh, its challenges. Um, but it's also a time of tremendous blessing. And it's a time where we can give thanks for having our kids back home. Um, I thought about how thankful I am to have my kids with me, to see them growing up and becoming, you know, young men and women, uh, how much God has blessed me by allowing me to enjoy raising these great kids. These kids are actually his children. They are his. He loved them. He created them. He longs for them to know him and to love him back. And he's prepared a place for them in his kingdom uh, when this brief time on earth is finished. So this is what we as parents um, have to do. This is where we come in. We're given this wonderful and important task of raising them to know who they are and why they're here and what uh, God wants from them. And we only have a very brief time to be able to do these things. So in today's meeting on the family, we're going to try to focus on one goal of parenting. And with an eye toward these important years of adolescence, these uh, years where my child is between the age of, say, 12 and 18, uh, although adolescence can start earlier or it can last much, much longer, we're going to try to focus on one topic, and that's the topic of uh, identity. Who am I? Now, we've all heard uh, this word before, and many of us have listened to sermons and lectures on this topic. Again, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, and I won't be uh, speaking from that perspective. I'm really just a humble servant uh, and a father who's really trying his best to raise his kids with the help of God and our church community. Um, but let's look at this and acknowledge that even we as adults often face this challenge of defining ourselves, our identity. You know, who am I? If I don't have an answer to this question that's very clear in life, then I can be influenced by others who can make me think uh, a certain thing about the way I am, uh, and that idea could be false, uh, could be even harmful. So I can start to define myself um, in a different way. Um, I can start to look at myself in a very worldly, self-centered way and you know, use different language that really isn't uh, who I am. So, uh, and a great example of this, if you remember, let's re recall the story um, uh, of the parable of the prodigal son. This is one of my favorite stories, right? And this is from the uh, chapter 15 of the gospel according to St. Luke. And in this parable, 
that Christ told, there are three main characters. First, there's who? There's the Father. And the Father is uh, present. He's faithful. He's loving. He's fixed. Uh, and uh, he's patient. He sits. He waits. The second character is the young son, right? The younger son. And he's the prodigal. And he no longer wanted to be defined by being in the presence of his father's house. Um, and if we remember the story, he wanted to take what's rightfully his. And so uh, he takes his share um, of his father's wealth and he redefines himself by leaving his father's house. And we remember what happens to him. He takes this portion of the wealth and he wastes it all on, on, uh, on, on a bad life. Uh, and when he uh, is impoverished, he remembers his identity. He remembers it, and this is the identity which is in his father's house. And so he longs for that again. And even uh, he says, even if it's a, being a servant in his father's house, he still wanted to be defined by being in his father's house. But we know that his father was kind, and we know the rest of the story, that his father took him back and gave him his full status and worth and restored him because his place, this younger son, his place, his identity hadn't actually changed at all, regardless of what he did. He was still his father's son. And that's the same with God. Our core identity is who we are. We are God's children. And that doesn't change. It's how he created us in his likeness. But we, you know, we all sin. And when we sin, we can come back with a full repentance and he accepts us fully. So then there's that third character, right? And who's the third character? The older son. And I often think he gets a bad rap, right? Um, he defined himself as the one who was there with his father the whole time. He tells this to his father that he has worked with him all these years. And he gets upset with his father when... Um, he gives his attention to the younger son when he returned. And this is that younger son who didn't stay. And the father in verse 31 of that chapter says to him, uh, to the older son, son, all I have is yours. So what does he mean by that? He's reminding his older son of his true identity. That don't define yourself by what you do, but by who you are. You know, you're not just a person who works in the fields with me and watches over my things. You know, I have servants that can do that. You are my son, and all that I have is yours. Uh, we sometimes do this, don't we, though? We act like the older son. We define ourselves to God by what we do, by our acts of service, our acts of mercy and kindness, uh, the, you know, we go to church, we fast, we do all these things. But, uh, but our Father will then come back to us and remind us of our true identity. I'm glad that you do these good things, he says. Uh, but Habibi, you are my son, and all that I have is yours. By that he means the heavenly, right? That he created me not only to live here this short while on earth, but also in heaven with him afterwards. You know, God is so loving, and he gives us everything. We're not supposed to define our identity by what we do or don't do, but who, you know, you know who we think we are or what others tell us we are. 
Our identity is based primarily on who we are to him, to God. We are his children whom he created and has given the gift of everlasting life if we choose it. So I need to know the answer to this important question of who am I? I need to be certain of it. And how I arrive at those answers has to be done in a very specific way. Um, this way has to be intentional. And if we leave the world to define that for us, we're going to play into things that aren't really uh, us. So even though this topic comes up for us at times in our adult life that we struggle with, we need to look at how we can build a foundation for our children from the very beginning, from the start, so that they'll be able to handle the uncertainties that come toward them in later in life. Um, for those that are uh, inclined to psychological definitions and are familiar with the German-American uh, psychologist Eric Erikson and his theory of psychological development. So uh, according to Erikson, people progress through a series of stages as they grow and they change throughout their life. During each of these stages, uh, people face a developmental conflict that must be resolved successfully to develop the what he called the primary virtue of that particular stage. Um, and Erickson uh, was interested in how social interaction and relationships affect the development and growth. And he was, um, you know, his work uh, was used to coin the term identity crisis. It's during this adolescent stage of development that the conflict of identity versus what he called role confusion occurs. And this age is about, you know, 12 to 18 years of age. So during this stage, adolescents search for a sense of self and personal identity. And this happens through intense exploration of their personal values and beliefs and goals. During uh, this stage of adolescence, there's a transition from a childhood to adulthood. And it's really an important stage. Children are becoming more independent. They begin to look at the future in terms of career and relationships and families, where they're going to live. Uh, the individual wants to belong to a society and they want to fit in. And this is a major stage of development where the child has to learn the roles that he or she will occupy as an adult. It's during this stage also that the adolescent has to re-examine his identity and try to find out exactly who he, uh, he or she is. And success in this stage will lead to what uh, Erickson called the virtue of fidelity. Fidelity involves being able to commit one's uh, self to others on the basis of accepting them, uh, even if they don't share the same uh, ideologies, even if they come from different backgrounds or different ideologies. So during this period, adolescents explore possibilities and begin to form their own identity based on outcomes of these explorations. Uh, failure to establish a sense of identity within a society, you know, this feeling of, I don't know what I am, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up, can I, uh, this can lead to role confusion. And role confusion involves uh, the individual not being sure about themselves or their place in society. Um, in response to role confusion or identity crisis, um, an individual may, uh, you know, an adolescent may begin to experiment with different lifestyles, work, education, political activities. Um, 
Also, pressuring someone into an identity, as we know, can result in rebellion in a form of establishing a negative identity, uh, in addition to this feeling of unhappiness that it can create. So during adolescence, the question that they ask themselves is, you know, who am I? It's a very important question, this question of who, you know, this idea of um, uh, who am I in achieving this uh, sense of identity by uh, adolescence is very important um, as they enter into adulthood. Um, as we know, this question can sometimes come up even as adults, like we said later, later in life. Um, so uh, that's the part uh, that we want to talk about today, our responsibility as parents to help our children develop this true sense of identity since their very early childhood. And this is really focuses on belonging, but belonging to what? Belonging uh, to who? Uh, and there are many, many questions uh, that come up uh, around this time, and there are many, many answers to these questions. Um, so we as parents have to understand, is there a particular order or a list to help direct us? So let's imagine the following um, list, if you will, as a guide. Our identity is based on belonging to the following things. Number one, to God, to Christ. Number two, to the church. Number three, to the family. Uh, and number four, we are citizen. It's a citizenship. We belong to uh, not only an area geographically, like a country, but uh, also our citizenship somewhere else that's not of this world. And number five, uh, belonging to a group that share a similar interest. And we'll talk about that. So first, my main identity is that I am a son or daughter, a child of God. And God is my father and I belong to him. Now, God created uh, all of us, all his children. But me understanding that I belong to him makes me a Christian. Um, and not everyone, as we know, is a Christian. So our faith as Christians um, is, um, is very important. It's the number one uh, element of our identity. And as we mentioned before when we spoke about the parable of the prodigal son, this identity that's given to us by God is not based on anything that I do or don't do. It is simply because he created me this way in his image with the ability to enjoy everlasting life with him in his kingdom. Now, that is that part of all I have is yours. So uh, the first element of my identity uh, is that I'm a Christian. Um, and uh, now the second element is uh, that I belong to a church. So not just any church, not just some you know, non-denominational church. That's not specific enough. Who am I? I'm a Christian. So not just a child of God because... Like I said, all of us are his children, even uh, the Jews or Muslims or Hindus or Sikhs, but a Christian, and I am a specific Christian. I am a Coptic Orthodox Christian. And this is so important, uh, uh, my brothers and sisters, because, um, you know, throughout the history of our church, we have many, many examples uh, of amazing saints who lived 
a, a, a life that that when we hear about it, it gives us a sense of pride, right? So if you, do you remember a number of years ago what happened to the 21 martyrs? Uh, you remember how despite the cruelty of that act by those who executed them on the beach in Libya, that there was a faith that those men showed to the whole world. This faith is one built on what? Not just that they are Christians, but that they are Coptic Orthodox Christians. The world saw the true Coptic church that day. The world saw not only their courage, their faith, uh, the faith that moved the hearts of all who heard and witnessed it, uh, but also the faith of the Coptic community and even their own families back home in Egypt and how they reacted to it. Though, you know, those poor families who even forgave those who brutally, in front of the eyes of the whole world, killed their young men, their sons, their brothers, their husbands. The world saw the strength of the faith of their families who were certain that none of them, none of those men, would renounce the faith. None of those would give in. This is the faith of the Coptic Orthodox Christian. We are in a church of martyrs, and we're proud of who we are. We're so very proud of those fellow Copts who died on that beach, looking up to heaven as the knives were held to their necks. We are proud of this identity. So again, number one is I'm a Christian. Number two, I'm a Coptic Orthodox Christian. Number three, I belong to my family. My family forms my roots. My parents, my grandparents, my siblings, my cousins, my tants and uncles, uh, my family forms that identity of mine. It's where I'm from. I'm from the Solomons. Um, and why is this important? I recall as a child, I would um, sometimes see another kid uh, doing something that was different. Maybe it wasn't necessarily wrong, but it was certainly was something that was not what I saw my family doing. And as a kid, I would, um, you know, see this. And even if it was another child in, in my own church, my own parish, my own Coptic parish, uh, when I would say to my dad, but so-and-so is doing this, so what's wrong with it? Why can't I do it? My father would answer back um, uh, very simply. He would say, Tony, Habibi, in our house, in our family, we, we don't do this. And to me, that was enough, right? Because even if I didn't like the answer, I knew that I am from this family and I'm proud to be in this family. And I had, uh, I had to understand that. So number three is I belong to my family. Number four is uh, my identity is that I'm a citizen. Most people would identify that they're a citizen of this country, the United States of America, or of a state, I'm a Californian, or a city like Irvine or Tustin. And that's all very good. We're asked by God and our Coptic church to be good citizens of our communities. And as St. Paul taught, to pray and to work and be productive and lead quiet lives. But there's another more important citizenship that we need to uh, understand uh, and make as part of our identity, uh, and that's being a citizen of somewhere else that's not on this earth. We're citizens of another kingdom, God's kingdom, 
And I don't say this to, you know, to have a Sunday school answer, right? No, this is pretty critical for our identity. We're not of this world. Our citizenship is of a kingdom that's not here on earth. We have a place prepared for us there. We are strangers, or as we say in the liturgy, we're sojourners in this place, in this world. We absolutely must teach our children this very important lesson and remind them so much can be given and so much can be taken away from them here in this life. They shouldn't be shaken when this happens. Our first citizenship is above all else is uh, that we identify ourselves as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Remember, uh, another point that uh, we said before is that we're all part of humanity, right? So we're all part of God's creation. And his entire creation uh, is called to his kingdom. All his children are called, not you know, not just the Christian ones, that, but Jews and Muslims, um, Hindus are all called. We're called for that citizenship no matter who we are. Um, we're called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, which means that we are to shine in this world that we live in, right? Um, we're, we are not different uh, from our fellow man in that way. Uh, we're asked to be effective in this world. And one person that comes to mind is uh, who did this really well is Mother Teresa. So she didn't separate herself in a convent away from others, right? She was the salt and the light to all around her. Those who were from different faiths or different social castes, different classes and so on, right? So we're asked to do the same, to love all equally. So uh, the fourth element again is our citizenship and citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And then fifth is I belong to a certain group with shared interest. And this one's important, right? It's important to think about because it's what our children need during this time in their lives as they enter adolescence. This identity is likely to change and that's okay, right? So entering high school, for instance, many kids will try to define themselves by their friend group, uh, the soccer players or the honor students or the theater and drama group or the music or band group. And, uh, it's important for them. It's important for them to feel like they fit in somewhere. Um, we as parents should support this. And we should, um, uh, you know, take an active role in finding out a little bit more about this group and the others in this group. Are they a, a good group of young people who will have a positive impact on my child? We need to get to know them and their parents and so on. Um, but as we get older, this part of our identity will change. We know this. It becomes, for instance, our career choice, um, um, or maybe is based on our social or philanthropic interests, right? So the gym group, the hiking group, the beach cleanup group, the art and symphony group. Again, this is part of our identity. But when? It comes fifth, right? It's the fifth element. Um, and yet at times, when we spend a lot of time focusing on it, uh, it seems like it's at the very top. But really, we should remember to keep it uh, as fifth and teach our children that particular order. Our role as parents, again, is to help guide this understanding over the years that our children are growing up. When they're younger, our parents, uh, uh, we as parents help answer these 
important key points so that when a child gets to adolescence, they know and understand their identity. Um, uh, to achieve my identity, I feel proud of my roots. My roots keep me from losing focus. So some people are not so certain and are confused about their identity. Confused identity people are often concentrating on what others think of them. They become pleasers of people in many ways. Erickson talks about an identity crisis, right? Not a personality, but identity. This is one of those most important conflicts that people will face during the developmental process. So what happens to those who don't end up successfully forming an identity at this point in their development? You know, kids who aren't allowed to explore and understand the different identities, um, those kids might be left with what Erickson referred to as role confusion. These individuals are not sure who they are or what they, uh, or what they like. They, they sort of drift from one job or relationship to another. They're never really sure what they want to do with their lives. So instead of feeling a sense of personal cohesiveness, um, they feel you know, disappointed, confused about their place in life. Um, as parents and family, we need to help our children not to have this confusion. So when they leave home and go into the world as adults, that they'll be okay. We as parents should, should not have a hands-off approach. Some, some people think that that's a good way. It, I, I don't think so. I think this is, you know, it's not easy uh, to be a parent. It's not as easy as it sounds sometimes. Parenting takes dedication and time and effort. Uh, being present and doing the work of parenting uh, is critical. So even if one or both parents uh, don't have a lot of time to, to because of work responsibilities or whatever, uh, it's critical that the time they do have, they spend it wisely. So practically, how can we do this? We should stress and show examples to our kids um, about uh, how to be a, proud of being a member of Christ, proud of being a member of the Coptic Orthodox Church, of our family. Erickson concentrates on adolescence, but we need to start earlier. Uh, parents preparing, you know, as parents, we need to prepare our children for adolescence from an earlier age, and it's done in stages, and we can talk about those stages more in, you know, in another session. For example, very early on, kids see uh, dad as the man and mom as the woman, so they begin to understand gender, and they begin to be proud of it. I'm a boy, and I'm going to be like my dad one day, too. So if I'm four or five years old and I don't see my dad at home uh, at all, uh, I may, uh, as a boy, not learn to appreciate my gender. And so people often know uh, their roots, where they're from. Uh, we often ask that. We see people asking, where are my people from? They want to trace back their roots. Often, you know, nowadays they'll do, you know, those uh, gender tests, uh, sorry, those uh, genetic tests, right, to find out their genetic background. Um, uh, they will often make trips back to their homelands, right, where they lived, where they grew up, where their childhood was spent, their village, uh, where their people are. They go visit the house where they grew up. Um, we all have our roots, um, uh, but, um, you know, so why? Is this longing coming from a curiosity? No, it's, um, 
it's not curiosity that drives us about this. It's, it's pride. If I'm not proud, then it will affect my identity. People who don't really care about God or church or family or citizenship, their identity is going to be affected. So this is our duty as parents to help shape the sense of pride in our children before adolescence, you know, before the age of 11 or 12. Pride uh, in love, right? Uh, Christian love towards, uh, towards others. If we do this right as parents, then our children will be well established. The experimentation stage of adolescence that will likely still happen won't be as dangerous. Our kids won't feel the sense of perhaps having to prove themselves by trying certain harmful things or behaviors. The role of parents to help kids do so is really, really important. So how do we get this right then? Um, is it really our job as parents or is it the job of, say, the church? So the church uh, is very important, but in this, it's not as important as the parents. And I'll tell you why. As parents, uh, we bring uh, into, so our parents bring us into the love of the church. And once we're there, the Sunday school servants act as role models for us, and we realize we're loved by the church. We must teach our children to love the church. Love the house of God with its beautiful icons. Love the prayers. Love the sacraments. Love the service in the church. Love the clergy and the people. I, I'm so sad when I hear about or see people bad-mouthing the clergy. Please, please don't bad-mouth the clergy or the church. It's very destructive for our children to hear growing up in the home this kind of stuff. Please don't do that. Please. Um, we need to teach our children that they have a role to play in the church. All the kids have a role to play. And it's different than faith in God. It's, uh, it's more important. It's more tangible to them. It's the stuff they see. It's the stuff they touch. The stuff they experience. We need to encourage our children to love the church by these little things, these small acts, like keeping the church clean or helping others. And I could tell my son, come with me, Habibi, I'm going to church to do this. It's important, and I'd love to have your help. Uh, you know, that happens. Uh, so, you know, like when that happens for some reason and we can't go to church, what, what takes place? I remember my early childhood, and I grew up in northern Nigeria. And there was no Coptic church there, no Orthodox church at all, actually. And there were just a few Coptic families, and my father would lead a Bible study every week and prayers uh, together. But I, I never felt that I didn't know the church. I loved the church because my parents were my first church. You know, my sister and I grew up seeing uh, our parents praying before meals, our parents fasting, our parents praying the Agbeya, and we would listen to hymns and songs on long car rides. They told us uh, stories of saints uh, and Bible. Um, only a few times a year, we actually went to an actual or a Coptic church where we took communion. But we didn't feel lost or different. My identity to my mother Coptic church was established by my parents. And this happened before my local parish church, right? Before I actually attended uh, a Coptic church. When we moved to the United States, um, dad, uh, you know, my dad encouraged me to teach Sunday school and to serve in the church. And it formed my identity. 
as a young teenager, I remember I was leading a classroom of, of uh, small, like young boys. And it gave me a sense of um, you know, self-esteem. And I knew that I'm a child of God, that I belong to the Coptic Church. It made me really proud. And um, as our kids get older, we continue to build on this idea of forming identity. As parents, we go with them to places and do things together. We take family trips or we join the scouts or do projects together. Um, we do more one-on-one -on -one activities in our local community. And we do so many wonderful activities um, uh, together. You know, like I remember uh, I spent several years when my daughter Grace was younger in a father-daughter group in our community. And uh, we did so many wonderful activities and went on campouts, um, and it really bonded us. And it was essential in helping her build trust and confidence and form her identity. Um, for the past uh, couple of years, as my boys have um, uh, gone through adolescence and uh, reached the end of high school at the age of 17 or 18, uh, I've taken them on a father-son trip for a week together to a place of their choice. We have amazing adventures and lots of fun. And, you know, they look back and say, um, you know, I remember those days. I hope that one day they'll, you know, all our kids will say, I remember when mom and dad did this or that. They'll remember it well. And they'll say, I remember my parents were visible and they gave me a role. So, you know, on, a, on another personal note, one of my, one of my uh, role models in, in my life is my father. And he, uh, one of his, uh, one of the things I love about him is that he, he has very little fear, almost no fear. Uh, he fears no one but God. And, and, you know, as many of you know, my father's blind. He lost his vision when I was growing up. Um, blindness shatters a person's self-esteem and confidence. It's scary to do even the smallest tasks, much less going outside. But my father travels often. He goes on service trips all the time. He um, you know, speaks at conventions, and he really fears nothing. So why? Where did he get this? Uh, even as a young child, he remembers being given roles. Uh, uh, as a young child, my dad spent a few years in another city with his aunt and uncle. His aunt and uncle didn't have any children of their own, and they loved my father. And so he lived with them for a few years, and they were so proud of him. Even as a very small child, they taught him how to speak up, how to be confident, and how to go to the local market and buy things on his own. And he was really, really young, but it helped build his confidence. And this is part of building his roots, his identity, and it has served him this whole time, even uh, to this day. So who am I? Uh, adults sometimes ask that question. Uh, we're asking that sometimes in trying to prove ourselves. Um, and that can be dangerous, right? Sometimes we try to prove ourselves in a very wrong way. Um, and we know those ways, the destructive ways of smoking or drugs or sexual promiscuity. Um, we need to understand who, are, who we are. So one last word about how we as parents can do uh, our best in preparing our children. Um, we, need to, we need to ask for wisdom. 
we need to ask for wisdom and discernment that comes from God, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, we should absolutely always ask him for this, to pray multiple times for wisdom. We should pray and ask him to help us learn how to teach our children and build in them these important things. We pray for wisdom on how to act. Like King Solomon, who asked for wisdom, uh, and it was given to him. So much was given to him that even kings and queens came from elsewhere to see the wisdom of Solomon. So let's ask for wisdom. Let's pray for wisdom and make an effort to have a plan on how to build our children's identity from the very start. Um, and it doesn't end, right? It's never too late to build up our children and their identity. God gave us our identity at a great cost. He made us in his likeness and image, and we have a great responsibility to live up to that image. Um, we have to become more like him and bear his identity. Um, so may we always remember the blessing we have from God to share in raising his children. During these short years we have together on this earth to bring them always closer and closer to him with love and patience as a parent. And to him be the glory forever and ever.